the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 83, and our guest is David Huckfeld. David is a singer and songwriter from Minnesota who is perhaps best known for his excellent work with the wonderful band The Pines, but his latest solo record, Room Enough, Time Enough, is the album that has our attention today. Doing the show is always a delight, y'all, and then there are times when you connect on an even deeper level with a guest. Um, This episode is one of those times. I'm so excited for y'all to hear this. If you haven't listened to that record, Room Enough, Time Enough, go do so as soon as you finish this conversation. You can find all things David at davidhuckfelt.com. Everyone, it is such an honor to present my conversation with David Huckfelt. Short time here, but a very long time gone. Hey, David. Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Jason. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for doing this. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. You sound good. I think we're all good here on sound. So, right on. Yeah, man. I I'm really grateful for this opportunity. I I love your record. Um, I mean, I, I've been a fan of your work for a long time, but the, this particular record, um, is is something special, and I hope that it feels that way for you. And I'm really excited to talk with you about it. Man, that means a lot to me. It really does. I'm I'm excited to talk to you about it too. Awesome. You know, I, there's so much and I'm just struck by the, by the fact that this was coming together at the time when you're welcoming a life into the world and COVID hits and George Floyd is murdered and on and on and on. And, you know, why not hit, why not start out with the heavy stuff? Like what was that time? I can't, and you're in Minneapolis. Like I, can you take us back to that time and just sort of talk about what it felt like and sort of, you know, how you, how you got through all of that? Yeah, man. I mean, that's a, that's a question I've asked myself many times since then. It's almost, uh, it was almost better not knowing um, or not even having the time to really process all of the different catastrophes that were happening at once. Uh, Kind of a, burrow mentality of putting your head down and um i mean i think it's you know i'm no expert by any med stretch but uh 
having a child tends to focus your alertness and awareness in a way that you never experienced beforehand, you know? Um, and so, you know, I think uh, I remember something that I read that Cormac McCarthy said, what they asked him why he didn't write short stories, you know? And uh, he said something to the effect that if, if, you know, if a work of art wasn't gonna, you know, cost you years of your life and, and bring you to the brink of madness, then why was it even worth it, you know? Um, Wow. And although that's not for the faint of heart and I could have done with less madness this year, you know, that was kind of the mentality. It was like, all right, I don't see a world out there that really needs more records or more songs, you know? So if I'm going to do this, I guess I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to put in as much heart and, uh, and open up the doors to as many people I love and respect as possible. And um, I think I didn't, you know, I would say there's, up until maybe, you know, the first eight or nine months of pandemic quarantine, uh, my son, Billy, all that stuff was kind of this, this sort of tense focus. And it wasn't until the last couple months here where I've uh, just realized how difficult it was, you know, and what a toll it took and how you, uh, I felt like I was holding polarities, you know, like wider than I ever had. In other words, you know, I could, spend a couple nights, you know, staying up till four in the morning, um, you know, when we had white supremacists and unmarked vehicles driving around Minneapolis, watching at the window while my little, you know, uh, five month old slept in the crib. And I think, you know, whether whatever you think about yourself, if you're ready for something like that, or if you understand it, or uh, it's, you can't. And really, and then desire to be like, look, the music business is, is a shamble, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's a it's in shambles. And so if we're going to do this, let's just pack it with every kind of a, I mean, I would say, you know, sincerity, intention, effort and and selflessness, collaboration. And that kind of kept me through. Uh, once it was out, I was like, well, shit, what do I do now? You know? <laughs> well, yeah, I wanted to, so I want to ask you about so many things you just said there. And I wonder, mm -hmm. you know, you said this in the last couple of months, it feels as though that, you know, you're kind of able to sort of process what happened. Um, and then things are starting to sort of in, in change in the world again, but we're still back at square one with some of the exact same thing. So it's, there's hope at least on the COVID front, although we're not even close to through it, but the, but then we're right back here. The, the, the trial's happening, another murder in again in Minneapolis. Um, and I just wonder like what, you know, you made this record and just on a personal level, like what do you do to kind of help yourself process that, especially since there wasn't time to process for so long. And now we're kind of hitting another heavy period um, and you've got this young life in the world. How, like, what do you do personally to kind of stay balanced and centered? Yeah. And, you know, if I was, I mean, I could provide you with an answer that would make, you know, some amount of sense, but if I was going to be a hundred percent honest, my answer would be, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't feel centered. You know, I don't feel like grounded. I think about, you know, when you offer up your pearls, so to speak, uh, kind of artistically in this, in this time, in this world, um, a lot of things happen right away. Number one, um, you know, 
people are at their thresholds, you know, I mean, I'm not saying music doesn't comfort and bring a certain amount of uh, relief and connection at its best. It surely does. Um, but I, there's something about taking up the oxygen in the room and something about, you know, how much self-absorption you have to uh, operate with as a musician mm. to stay in the conversation. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think, you know, that's an interesting way to, to talk about it, but I think um, it's always painful to detach, you know, from expectations or even hopes around a record or, um, and that's, you know, that's part of the reason, I guess, my, one thing I've maybe tried to do is plug the music in to um, causes and organizations that I feel have much more urgency, um, you know, collectively than self-promotion or music, you know, I mean, um, that helps me stay centered is by finding a way that this music can be kind of utilitarian at this time, playing rallies, playing pipeline protests, doing online, you know, fundraising for voter turnout and uh, organic farms, things like that which is still kind of a chasing after the wind uh, because in a, in a normal environment that exchange musically is person to person, face to face in a room or outside somewhere with, you know what I'm saying? Like live music. So um, I've just been kind of scrambling and I guess what I do is more often than I used to is answer my phone when it rings and it's a friend or call somebody up and say, you know, I was on the phone for two hours yesterday um, because we had a babysitter and my good songwriting uh, friend of mine, Eric Koskinen, was, we were wanting to talk. We hadn't seen each other in nine months, you know, so um, reaching out for support, um, trying to do things that are meaningful as opposed to maybe advantageous, you know, Yeah. Um, I guess that's, a, that's so far been my method. I'm not saying it's all working so great, but what i'm up to well you said yeah you said you 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 if you're being honest you're not sure and then you just gave what i think is some damn fine advice as to how to stay <laughs> centered i mean i've been talking about that a lot recently just how much the pandemic has forced me i don't know if force is the right word but has at, at least encouraged me to reach out to people that i love and to tell them that i love them and to make sure i'm making those connections in a way that i if I'm being perfectly honest, took for granted before, because I yeah. could, you know, I did see them all the time or, but also some folks that I don't see very often because they're in different parts of the country. What this has done is it's made me go like, okay, I've got a great life here. I'm lucky. I've got my partner and we've got our home and our dogs. And like, I, I I've been fortunate through this whole thing. I've got had work the whole time. I've been super fortunate, but yeah. we're all, we've all been lonely in different ways. Right. And we've all needed that human connection that you just alluded to. So what it's done for me is it's forced me to do something similar to what you're talking about. That's just like reach out to people that I hadn't been talking to. Like some of yeah. my buddies and I have really connected over this time and it's made such a big, it's such a positive uh, difference in my life and has also helped me creatively. And I wonder yeah. if that if that's been the case for you, like especially after, you know, I want to get into the record a little more, but before we kind of get into the record, like this is there's a lot here. You know, there's a lot of collaboration, as you mentioned. Musically, it's adventurous. Um, you you take on covers that like you make your own. It was so interesting. I was listening to um um 
come on, dude. Uh, satisfied Mind. I was listening to a Satisfied okay. Mind. And I was like, man, I love this. this. is great. And I was like, oh, wait, I know this song. But it took me a little while, even though it's a song I've heard a million times done by so many people, it took yeah. me a minute to go like, oh, this isn't necessarily one of his. He's just making it his own, you know? And so I wonder if, you know, maybe we can just get straight into the record. But before we do, I'm curious, like, now that it's it's done and it's out in the world, whether those connections that you're making in this way are at all informing your creative process or if you've been able to write and create in the last few months. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was a big part of the conversation I had yesterday. The, the answer is that, I mean, I haven't been able to create. I think, um, you know, somewhere along the line, uh, like doing press and interviews and stuff for the record, like, uh, we're just we're in you know we're in a, a time of what like you know articulated emergency like it's very in our face so talking frankly about it it's like i think um the pressures of wanting to be a provider for a new child mm -hmm. and then losing your job at the same time and you know spending resources on a record that's going to come out without touring it's like a, somewhere along the line, my head got spun in a way where, you know, it's just making it across the finish line was the goal, you know? And, and I remember the day the record came out, I wasn't like, yes, I was like, fuck, man. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I bet. A lot of people don't want to hear that because it's like, you know, you don't want to, I mean, we have enough, uh, the things we complain about are so relative, but we've all lost things this year, you know? So... I, you know, just, just, just recently, my first step when I start to even think about creating is basically to go back to my uh, uh, Zen meditation cushion and sit and start staring at the wall in 20 minute blocks. That's kind of step one of songwriting. And I've started that again. So I think that fires in there, but a lot of people and friends of mine I've talked to, you know, you're writing and you're working on stuff. Very few are like, yeah, I found a way in, you know, or I mean, some people <laughs> they're working on like they're doing like rudiment. They're trying to, you know, remember how to finger pick or they're like, I just pulled up all my MP3s that I my demos, you know, it's like I never heard anybody who's like, I'm just tearing into the substance and crisis of this moment and. <laughs> pumping out my best stuff you know like yeah 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 but hopefully hopefully soon you know yeah well okay so that process you know meditation at least in my experience and for a lot of folks that i talk to about it um that nothing it, it gets me ready for for some sort of creative process but nothing ever comes up that's useful for me is that true for you too absolutely yeah it's a uh, which is kind of, I guess, the point of it, because, you know, I've I've actually been, you know, been in to see and talk to, you know, two pretty respected, you know, Roshis, teachers here in Minneapolis and been like, look, here's the deal. I need your help. You know, when I see when you sit in meditation, your, you know, your goal is to have no goals. You know, your goal is to have no expectations, nothing specific in mind, um, nothing to be gained. Mm -hmm. I said, you know when I go sit down to write a song, I'm trying to get somewhere, you know, I'm trying to get somewhere in the realm of personal expression. So, you know, where do those worlds meet? But I think at the very least, the mindset and the spaciousness cultivated in one can 
can kind of be smuggled into the songwriting process, you know, like at least you're not coming there, um, you know, totally fixed. And, and I mean, it's nice when inspiration strikes and you write a song in 15 minutes, but I like the approach of the spacious mind that meditation can give where it's like, I think if I'm going to write something, I want to get to the heart of the matter. So, you know, here I am ready for, to be responsive to inspiration, you know? Is there a particular, to get kind of granular with that, is there a particular uh, time of day or space in which that happens? Are you a sit down and do the work kind of person usually under in, in normal circumstances, right? Not in a pandemic where we're all just trying to survive, but like, are you, are you a sit down and do the work person or uh, does it come in waves? Like, what does that look like for you usually? Um, you know, I am a sit down and do the work um, kind of person and who would like to kick that habit, so to speak, you know, um, huh. you know, I, the first record, the first solo record I made, I mean, um, was 2019 Stranger Angels. And that was entirely written uh, two weeks on Isle Royal National Park, an artist residency, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's not, it's kind of like going into massive debt and then receiving a bailout, you know? It's like, um, I don't think I would have been able to write, I mean, I wrote 16 songs in about 14 days. Wow. And, and granted, some of them were in process, you know, like I had notebooks, I had a, but a lot of them were from scratch. Um, so my point is, I guess, if I had control over my uh, sort of my material existence, um, mm. I would probably not feel the need to be quite so disciplined about it. But as it is, um, you know, I, I guess I, I don't I don't know. I, I, the, those luxuries like it almost takes me getting away and having even if it's a weekend. Um, it's going to be harder now with a kid, but to really like launch this new mode and then I can come back to it in the mornings, you know, a couple hours in the morning and whether it's song maintenance or whether it's reading things and pulling things, I definitely mind my old, my old notebooks, you know, mm. that's a, that's at the very least. I think your, you know, your, your notebook is kind of your, your best friend and the representative of your subconscious. So, um, try to keep that little fire going. And, uh, and then when, you know, when the deck is kind of cleared, then I feel like I can get to it, but the deck hasn't been cleared lately, you know? So right. are they just no, are, when you say your old notebook, mine and your old notebooks, I love that. Oftentimes I don't do that. Um, I just lost one, by the way. I just, mm. uh, it's such, I hate, ugh, it just bad feeling. <laughs> it's yeah. awful, man. And I'm like, yeah. I know there were so many th- seeds of things that had not germinated and i want it back and i don't know where the fuck it is and it's (laughs) out i'm Uh, sorry to hear that it might turn up you have to admit it might turn up true it does sometimes you know it's only the second time i can think of that i really have i think i really lost this one i think it fell out of my pocket but um but anyway the when you go back to mind those notebooks is are the notebooks the, the kind of thing that like, are you constantly journaling or is it something that's a part of your 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 songwriting process and then you go back and mine them later it used to be that way it used to be that you know um i would write every day and uh mm-hmm. and um i mean it, it becomes you know it's a little bit compulsive like i don't know if you uh there's a there's a book that came out maybe like three or four years ago called i think it's called daily routine 
and it's a it's a collection of about you know 30 or 40 pretty famous artists painters novelists poets and just what they did with their day you know mm -hmm. and all these kind of i mean um it's really it was pretty fascinating you wouldn't want to like you wouldn't want to chart your course from it you know mm -hmm. um but the point being that something i really believe is you as an artist you build a, a little habitat for yourself with with ritual you know so um these days it's more like if i have a thought or a title cross my mind or a line or a phrase i just gotta at least get it to that notebook you know and get it so it's like I'll get a new notebook and the, you know, I, I won't, I'll skip the first 30 pages because those are going to be for lines and titles. And then I'll start somewhere in the middle. And it's almost like, like, you know, watching a sequel to Rain Man or something. It's like, mm. um, but I think uh, once again, it, uh, I, I feel like you store up your little measures in some way and wait for an opportune time to, hopefully to immerse you know and that's i guess that's why the pines never made a lot of a lot of records and it's you know it's part of the reason why i'm not really drawn to like pumping out a record every year or being at this high you know because if i'm not saying something i believe i don't i don't feel like saying anything at all so mm. <clears throat> does that make sense it's kind of discursive but um, no, it makes a ton of sense it makes a ton of sense i mean i think the what comes to mind though the question that i often have when I, when I hear, so I haven't heard anybody put it quite like you just did, but like when, when I think about the idea of, I always wonder how, you know, it's good, right? Like, how do you, uh, and in this case, how do you know that you believe in it? Cause you're gonna inevitably write a bunch of things that you don't necessarily, it's not that you're lying, but maybe you don't believe in that particular song in some way. And I wonder how, if, Nobody seems to have the same process. So I'm curious, like what your what your sense of like how you know that it's something you believe in. That's a really good question. I, I mean, I would be curious to, you know, to to hear people's responses. But it's it's definitely not a secret that, you know, my favorite songwriters are sort of relentless revisionists. You know, and um, there is an sit down and get to work aspect to revision you know like i i think even like stephen king said you know you you write with the door open but you revise with the door closed you know mm -hmm. when you're getting into that kind of surgical world of like uh trimming your excess and um so i think it the only way i can say is like it's a matter of having having wrestled with something at least in my experience having wrestled with it kind of to the point of of exhaustion pull and pulling back um you know if there's eight seven six verses in the song there's probably 20 versions in my notebook you know or verses i mean um so you know i think yeah i guess i think it can if it, it feels like it's good when it doesn't feel like it's yours you know or like uh it's hard to describe but it's like mm. it just there's lines that come out that you've you know that's some that feels inspired, not just me, you know, writing a, like really trying to hook this in, but some kind of partnership. So, mm. and you know, clarity, I think editing is important. I've had, you know, sometimes I show early versions to people and ask what they think. Sometimes I don't. Um, 
sometimes I think it's good and then I record it and then it comes out and I'm like that wasn't as good. <laughs> I thought it was, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, we talk about that a lot on the show. I, I just released an episode and I thought it was great and uh, I didn't, but I, nobody had heard it except me, right? So like, I was just like waiting to hear what people said and everybody thought it was great. So that's good. And, but you need the, the, that, that to hear it in a different way and for other people's ears to get on it sometimes in yeah. order to get that sense, you know, um, like Guy Clark said that the song's not finished until you play it for, for somebody, right? Like, sure. Yeah. Um, that, that whole idea. And so you, you, you hit on a, a few things that, that made me think about just like this sort of spiritual nature of this record as I hear it room enough, time enough. Um, and I wonder if like, for you, are you, like is spirituality something that is a part of sort of your creative process or that you're conscious of as you're writing or did that seep in through other influences and through some of the guests that are on this record? I mean, if anything, you know, the, the, I probably am too obsessed with it. You know, mm -hmm. I probably like, cause that's been my, that's been my sort of my journey, you know, as a, as a person, I, I looking back, like, uh, there's been nothing practical about my plans for life from for going back as far as you can go, you know, into my childhood, young adulthood. I mean, I, you know, my idea for going to college was to go to theology school, you know, and um, it wasn't it wasn't to get answers. It was to ask questions. And let's just say it worked out really poorly, you know, <laughs> really poorly. And so I guess you know, I feel like sometimes you, you try to, I try to pack that, you know, that's, that's always present in my mind. I just kind of want to go there. I have to admit that a lot of my favorite music doesn't go there at all, you know, and that's, uh, I do have admiration and envy for, you know, for songwriters who can be just kind of ruthlessly frank and detail oriented, um, mm. maybe utterly biographical or narrative, um, it's just not the way that I write. And, you know, without like, uh, I mean, I've obviously read a lot of interviews with people and, you know, study songwriters. I think that uh, yeah, Leonard Cohen always comes to mind, you know, like he's, whether it's good or bad, whether, you, you know, you, you can go along with it or not, he's probably going to take, you know, everything from, from sex to crime to, uh, you know, hunger. He's probably going to take it to the, to the, the spiritual to to god at some point you know mm -hmm. it's gonna go there even if it just stays for a minute so and that you know with the with the native uh elements of this record um like that runs the gamut for me you know that that is the kind of the the crowbar that that got me out of um some really narrow way of thinking and then these friendships with these artists you know it it touches on everything from you know the environmentalism and the way to actually be on the planet earth respectfully to how to be a parent you know and how to like mm. all my native friends when they come you know to a show or a festival or a powwow everybody comes all the kids mm. and the grandkids and mm. you know what i mean there's never not room for everyone you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. as a parent i just think like 
I like that a lot better than, you know, dichotomizing our lives up. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's always there. You know, I'm always trying to get at that feeling of how do you live in this world? You know, that's, that's the, the theme of the last record, Stranger Angels, is there's another world, but it's in this world. And that, if you think about that too hard, you'll get all fucked up like I am, you know? Yeah, uh, oh, I'm, I, I think about it too hard. So we're already there. We're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sense that. I sense that very much talking to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a constant, you know, it's a constant in my life. I actually had a conversation last night with a loved one who, um, who was saying, who is specifically is a Christian and is an evangelical Christian. And what I perceive in the way that that, relationship with spirituality manifests itself with this particular person is that they use it to exclude other people and and use it to justify actions that harm other people and i got really upset because it's someone i love very dearly right and i'm very close with and i got upset in the conversation it wasn't productive like i wasn't helping (laughs) you know but my my being upset was not going to change their mind and it was not going to help them see my way of thinking but i also found that i closed myself off to their i thought about it all day today i closed myself off to their way of thinking because i was so upset i allowed myself to get so upset about this thing and i realized like wait a minute i just want them to think the way i think rather than me try to figure out where that common ground is between the two of us yeah yeah absolutely that's like i mean you know that reminds me of you know you know they asked Thich Nhat Hanh, the vietnamese monk i said you know this was back in one of his earlier books but you know if you sat down with osama bin laden what would you tell him? You know, what would you have to tell him? This is right after the trade centers. And he said, I wouldn't tell him anything. He said, I'd ask questions and listen, you know, yeah. in this, in this world, it's like, Oh my God, you either make a judgment and you make it hard or, you know, but you're right. Our implicit, our implicit responses, um, you know, that's what keeps this, uh, deafening it's not even an echo chamber it's a deaf chamber you know (laughs) that's what ensures that there's there's really no yeah true dialogue and it's hard to talk to someone who's got their mind made up you know and the truth matters you know so but it is at least you you know you thought about it all day it's kind of like a lot of people don't go that far it's like yeah fuck them you know yeah i mean at first i was like fuck them but i (laughs) then all through the process of today just going well wait a minute i mean i still i still disagree with with you know the stance that they took that we were discussing and it was specifically it was specifically about COVID 19 and um and it it made me upset because like i think about how much people because what i end up doing and i think a lot of us do is that we end up attaching so much to our our experiences and in my experience it's been like i've been so careful and I, I'm not trying to be righteous. I haven't at any yeah. point tried to be righteous about it. Honestly, it's just a choice that I made to be super careful. I got vaccinated. Uh, like, you know, I've been doing everything I think, quote unquote, right. Yeah. But at the same time, everybody's had a different level of comfort with all kinds of different, all kinds of aspects of this. And it's felt so real in in so many different ways to people. Yeah. Oh, you know? I mean, yeah. For musicians, it's like, like you said, you lost your job, you know, like, and while bringing a life into the world and like your experience is way different with that. And the way you interact with it is way different from mine, say, and wherever we can find that common ground, yeah, um, you know, it's super important. 
it is and it's not i mean you know i had family members that reached out to me you know over the course of the last year just asking if i was okay because it you know the the posts the things i was writing about on you know when i did on social media were increasingly vitriolic toward <laughs> whatever that guy who used to be president whatever his name was i can't remember but uh you still haven't you know, gotten over george bush david yeah right yeah right he's great compared yeah <laughs> um but you know what i mean i think it's yeah there's a you know someone like that's the thing someone is is taking these things yeah. from us and that's yeah. the thing you know when it if you listen to you know the last song on the record is uh calling thunderbird blues and it's mm -hmm. it's basically Kisakola, you know my my dear friend who i respect immensely been such a, a light to me and it's kind of uh it's kind of a quick tutorial on indigenous philosophy, you know, spirituality and it with, with humor, you know, but um, there's a, there's a, there's a difference there. These, you know, the people that, you know, I guess dealing with objective truth in a time of subjective reality is tricky, but when you come from the perspective that, uh, that, indigenous people are coming from there's a you know there's there's a person with an address who's making money from this pipeline you know there is like it's not for us it's not built by us it's not you know what i mean like you're mad at looters and you stole the continent you know like let's those are hot button emotional things but um there is objective truth still you know and so sometimes you can i mean you can treat someone with dignity and respect when they don't deserve it. That's, that's always a nice thing to do if you can, but uh, I don't know. Doesn't, I guess what I'm saying is I don't, I don't know if you're, you know, people who don't want to get the vaccine, I think they're wrong. You know, I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I, you know, you're probably a fine person, but I, and it's going to not just the nature of a virus is it, it might kill me yeah. or my kid or my mom, not just, it's not like, Oh, if you die, it's on you. It's like, we're finally learning through the punishing effects of plague that we are in it together, whether we like it or not, you know, and, and Americans have done a bad job. I know that's a fascinating thing about it. And I know that propaganda has so much to do with all of this. And I, I know that, and I keep coming back to, I don't know if we want to go down here, but if <laughs> maybe we do, I don't know, but I keep coming back to again. And, and this is because it's so part, so much a part of my life and where, how I grew up, I keep coming back to the influence of, of the evangelical church and uh, specifically the white evangelical church in America. And I keep coming back to seeing, and I grew up in it. I grew up in the Baptist church in the Southern Baptist church. And I, I, now that I have perspective on it and I'm having these conversations and, and how much the church has a lot has become allied with propaganda outlets that are only concerned with lining certain people's pockets. I, I think it's, it's so dangerous because you're when you when you use a spiritual bent in that way or any sort of spiritual power in that way what you what you're doing is you're saying like hey if you disagree with me with the way i believe then you're literally going to burn in hell like the dichotomy is so strong and this this false creation in my mind at least of like one of these two things is going to happen either you follow exactly what i support and you'll live forever or yeah. you don't and you'll burn forever and it's like 
the craziest thing, you know, growing up is like, that's, I was taught that over and over and over and over again. And I started to question it at some point as we all do. Um, but, but the way it's been manifested now, I forgot how, where, where I was going to circle back with that, but the way it manifests now is in a way that it becomes so political and antithetical to what they're saying, what that particular church's holy book says, because I've read that thing. <laughs> I've read it a lot. And it doesn't yeah. say, yeah. you know, you should ignore science and kill people, you know, and it doesn't say you should exclude brown people from living lives free from from danger. It doesn't say that, I promise, you know, for those who haven't read it. Um, but but let's tie it back to happy stuff because yeah. we could go, we could do that forever. And no, I mean, but I just want to, I want to, at least we, we must, uh, we've been walking some similar roads, you know, that's, that's, that's for sure. And once, if you've been there and you made it out alive with your, you know, cognitive abilities intact, um, you feel like trying to, trying to do work where you can, you know, and so I, I hear you. Let's, I just say that, you know. Well, and you, you know, you said something earlier that I really read that really resonated with me. And that was the idea of like, you started out by saying that songs like the world doesn't necessarily need more songs, but, but putting songs out there that are going to make a difference and using your art for, you know, positive causes, um, I think kind of ties into sort of a lot of that discussion and the idea that like, there is a lot of light that can be that can come through in in the music and it's also a way to process that journey you know yeah. to to because I, I the other thing you said that I, that I wanted to, to kind of explore for a second was the idea of um you know relativism and and you know it's it's very easy for me to look at a lot of people's lives and be like well my at least mine's not that bad or I what do I have to complain about that doesn't mean I don't have shit to deal with you know it yeah. doesn't mean I haven't already gone through a lot of shit my shit may not look the same as somebody else's and I don't have to I, I haven't had the same challenges as a lot of people I've been really fortunate in a lot of ways but it doesn't necessarily discount the challenges that you've had or that I've had or anybody's had because we all have those yeah absolutely I mean, I think uh, there's there's different kinds of revolutions, you know, like I, you talk about, you know, when, when I say as soon as I say, you know, I want to plug the music into something meaningful, like my inclination is to also completely counter that it's such a thin line. I don't really like protest music. I'll probably never do a sing along in my life. I'm not the person who's going to amp up a crowd. You know, there's like, um, I guess, the you know, these revolutions that take place internally or spiritually psychologically happen first um and i don't know i guess i don't know i i think that what we forget is it's harder to uh you know it's harder to ignore somebody's um more pressing needs if you have to see and deal with them every day it's harder to ignore uh native rights if you actually know some native americans and are friends it's harder to ignore gay rights if you know what i'm saying like this is part of why the rural and urban divide in america is so severe because i know people where i'm from down in iowa who i would say they have you know good hearts like these are generous people who really have never encountered anybody who needed anything really urgently you know what i mean um or someone who was a refugee or someone who would you know walk 1200 miles to cross into the country and these are some of the most anti-immigration people that that i know you know down there in, in in rural places so yeah that relative thing i mean 
you want to heal yourself so you can be of use. You know, mm-hmm. if you're all fucked up inside and you're, you know, I read something the other day that was like, you That's know, great. it said, um, you know, times, difficult times, if when they hit people who are unresilient, it, you know, it turns us into cowards with self-doubt and cowards with self-doubt aren't going to solve this batch of 2021 problems, you know? Right. Um, this is not, you're going to like, um, and these are the kind of things like, you know, to talk about the, the record and stuff too. It's, it's like, a, um, I mean, you, you probably know as well as I do on a good day in a good year, unless you're really lucky music is fucking so hard to mm. do professionally, you know? Mm-hmm. And Anything put on top of that. And with, music especially. Anything creative in music especially. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. And it, yeah, there's there's so many there's so many pursuits where that's true. And, you know, on top of it, you know, this sort of compulsion with, you know, making things look really rosy on Instagram or, you know, feeling like, you know, you need to produce... Um, if these things, I don't know, they, they call into question whether it, what's the pursuit? Is it worth it? You know, mm. are you creating for yourself? Are you creating for others? Um, I think, I mean, I'm just at that stage after this record where it's like, this is, wasn't a normal record cycle. I, I would have been on tour and uh, mm. it wouldn't have been quite so much. Um, I would say, you know, thick smoke in the air and maybe people would have been worried about groceries and had a little more room for new music or something all these things this is my job you know so but i think when we're you and i have talked now you know for 20 minutes about you know kind of some some urgent like some deep more deeply internal things and if that's where your heart is as a musician i think you have to wonder is this a good avenue you know like Mm. where is it landing does it matter you know that's like after you put out a record that's how i feel i'm like well fuck i just worked on that for a long time you know like yeah um there's a frustration there that i that i've known myself and i've seen in others and uh especially in a year when you can't see people's faces when you play the songs to them or they can't talk to you after the show or you can't meet them you know what i mean yeah like so, the, yeah yeah no Whew, thank you for sharing that and being so open about that I, I so what what do you do with that feeling where do you where do you go with it um i mean do you have hope that hey once i get back on the road which hopefully isn't too far away that i mean probably seems like forever for you right now because you've been you know off of it for so long and it's been such a part of your life for so long that's yeah. got to be really, really difficult anytime you do something and that's such a big part of your existence and then it's gone for nine months a year. Like that has to be really heavy. And so I wonder, are you are you keeping that hope that maybe you'll be able to see it through a different prism later or like how, how are you wrestling with that? Uh, you know, it's it's like a it's a little it's a, a thin shred of a hope where I'm actually thinking, you know, like as hard as this all has been last I checked, you know, I really liked last time I checked, I liked playing songs for people, you know, <laughs> and, um, and I could, you know, stop time in a certain way. And I, you just have to, you know, think that's probably going to come back, you know, and it, 
it's funny because I just booked a whole bunch of, you know, house concerts and people's backyards, you know, 40, 50 people. It's like, um, I think after a year of pandemic, it doesn't, I don't need to be, you know, I don't need to play Red Rocks or, you know, right. I'm not saying somebody else doesn't, they might be used to it, but I, uh, I just don't think it's going to take that much to feel like we're giving a, an exchange that's really been missing. So mm-hmm. I do, I have some hope that it will kind of, that it will come back, you know, and that um, I have hope that the audience will meet musicians halfway there. You know, the audience will be really, really grateful that they're, you know, to be a part of these events and supportive, you know, financially tickets, merch, just, you know, I think that transaction, that interaction will come back. So, I mean, I hope it, I hope it does. I I know, of course it will. Right. Um, But you're right. After a long time of it, you know, if you've been touring for years and and you take a month off, you don't even know where your fucking get like your capo is your guitar. It's like, you know, you forget your, you know, your travel, your toothbrush and you're like, but taking a whole year off is like, Whoa. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I just I just recorded with Todd Snyder and he said something. I'm trying to think of how he put it, but he cuz he always puts it in such a, an amazing way, right? It's always yeah, it hilarious does. and spiritual. So funny. So funny. It was an amazing conversation. I'm pinch still pinching myself, but he um he was just talking about the road and just how a disorienting, I think is the word he used. It can be and then elaborated in a similar way to you to the way you just did. He's like sometimes you just like I don't you don't know what town you're in, you don't know like, like you said, you've lost your capo, you don't, like, you don't, you don't remember who's with you, who's not like, which, which, which van or bus am I on, you know, depending on who you're yeah. touring with and so forth. And that's gotta be, it's going to be interesting. Like, I almost wish there was somebody to, and there's no money for this, but I wish there was somebody to like, go on tours with musicians and like, help be life coaches through this like right. remember yeah. tour this is what yeah. you do this is how yeah. you do let me hold your hand i know it <laughs> i mean that's yeah it's it's not a thing that it doesn't come you know i always have this conversation with my partner and she'll say you know i'll be like i gotta play you know this thing and she'll be like well she'll be like what's the problem I'm like well i haven't played in a long time she'll be like oh you're professional i'll be like you know, maybe, but I'm just telling you that, I mean, I went and saw my friend's band. They played one outdoor show and it felt like, I mean, they didn't, it felt like we were all back in high school or something. I'm not saying they weren't good, but you know how it is when you're, if you didn't do a podcast for a year, um, there'd be some, some rust there. And, uh, Hell yeah, anything, you know, man, especially yeah. something that you're, where you're performing and you're exchanging energy with people because it's not a rote task, right? you know, it's not like, I mean, maybe there's some technical aspect to the playing part of it, but you know, not when you're talking about performing music live for people, especially when you're performing music that is going to have this, well, all music is going to have a deep emotional connection to whoever you're playing it to. I'm sure, you know, at, at least, most people so that's a you're exchanging energy in a way that you haven't but you're gonna go do that in a way you haven't been and that's a different thing yeah and especially you know i've had a lot of people you know lately i mean i've I've made a conscious effort i would say to be more um more open and communicated communicative with an audience Mm. at a live show uh uh apart from the songs, you know, just the songs. I think it's, 
you know, it's the kind of thing that as soon as you step into that water, you're, you know, you're among giants. I mean, like, you know, I mean, if John Prine would have done stand-up comedy, he would have been just as successful as, you know, a songwriter. Like, mm-hmm. um, but the interesting thing is that, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, when I talk to them, they, you know, they say, they don't, they don't say, I remember, you know, this, I heard this song you played. They say, there was something you said at this show, or you talked about, you know, um, you know, you, you talked about economic inequality at this show. And I'll be like, I mean, those things stick with people. Right. And uh, I guess my point is that um, I always try to leave room. You know, we don't, I don't really, really write set lists. Um, I don't, uh, I mean, I would hope I don't have any canned dialogue. I mean, of course, people say the same things like you get around to it as a performer, but the idea is that you would leave room for improvisation mm-hmm. and for something to happen that night, wherever you are, that hasn't happened before. And, you know, that's part of the reason that I like to bring, you know, people, collaborators along and even even applying to the record is like, these people will probably not be in a room together ever again. Mm-hmm. And I made it once I started with that idea, I was like, I'm going to get some people in here that I'm sure will never be in a room together unless I do this. They don't know each other. You know what I mean? Like breaking down that Cowboys and Indian mythology. And there's Mm. been some friendships that came out of that, you know, with uh, between some of the artists on the record. Um, It's what happens if you go to uh, any of the Canadian folk festivals, like these legendary festivals that have been going for 40 years they always do the workshops, you know, which is like, they put you with four bands, three or four bands. A couple of years ago, it was the Pines, Calexico, Iron and Wine, you know, and of wow. course it's, un- it's uncomfortable at first. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they want us to collaborate, you know? And it's like, fuck, you know, do we really, you know? I guarantee, <laughs> I guarantee, I mean, it more often than not, it happens. And then when it does, the audience... I think it's so grateful to have seen something that will probably never happen again, you know? So even in a small, like folky, you know, acoustic guitar world, like there's guys and and women who do it so well. And I think that's what I'm partly trying to do is be like, well, my music's, you know, I mean, this is traditional stuff. This isn't groundbreaking. I'm trying to break ground with the writing, but I'm also hopefully something will happen here tonight that hasn't happened that way before and leave the door open to that. You know, um, that's what the record's about in a lot of ways. And uh, otherwise, I guess, why do it? You know, if you want to replicate constantly, um, I, it's, does that mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's not always, it's not, I'm not saying this is the smartest approach because people can do better by being highly professional, polished, you know what I mean? Like, their shit together and that can be fucking awesome too Mm -hmm. but for my part i think the spontaneity is has to be there that's so wonderful man you've this has been such a delight and you've given me more time than i could have asked for we usually end on what you're getting down on you mentioned a couple of books um any art that like has you inspired right now something you've been listening to or a book or a film or Anything art-wise that you've been um, inspired by lately? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I've been reading this uh, just kind of mind-blowing uh, debut novel from this uh, 
indigenous writer named Tommy Orange. It's called There There. Uh, I, I don't think like nobody saw this this guy coming. I think he grew up in Oakland, um, and it's it's he's describing the kind of the modern native experience where you know a lot of white people have taken some classes and read some books and want to tell it, uh, Indians how to how what what it's really supposed to look like if they're Indian, you know. And um, that's a that's been a really pretty incredible read as of late. Um, I think more than anything, like uh, been listening to a lot of ambient and uh, classical music to put this baby to sleep. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm listening to all these uh, Taylor Dupree records that I'm really falling in love with. Um, I haven't like uh, I haven't really heard any songwriters um, that I've really been drawn to, except. Do you know who Dan Reeder is? I know that name. I don't know his work though. I bet Todd Snyder does because Dan Reeder is even funnier than Todd Snyder. He was, uh, he's just a guy who gave a, gave a record, sent a record to, to John Prine um, back in the day. And, and Prine absolutely loved it and signed him to Oh Boy Records. Um, and he's made maybe five or six of these just poignant, hilarious, crushing, like he's very, he can be very crude um, he knows he's an old white guy and he, and he knows why that's funny at all, you know? And, um, so I've been, we put his songs on, they've made us laugh. You know, he's got one song that's three minutes about a fist fight in a, a parking lot outside of a nightclub in LA, you know, yeah. if you could write a song about that and make it that funny, like the guy's pretty amazing. So, yeah. um, Yeah. I feel like he came across somewhere. I hope I didn't miss a pitch from his publicist or something, you know, like that, that kind of thing yeah. happens sometimes where uh, it's like, I'll know a name and then I'll get busy and I'll forget to go back to it. And I, I, I'm going to search my inbox and make sure I didn't miss. Cause I yeah, swear. If you'd like to up. talk to him. Yeah. You'd okay. like to talk to him, man. But let me, I know we probably don't have any time, but what about you? Have you been, what have you been into, man? I'd love to know. Well, you know, I've been listening to, and I'm not just saying this, I've been listening to your record a ton. I've been listening to the new Mondo Signs record quite a bit. Um, and then Todd has a forthcoming record that is, I think, the best thing he's done. Oh, wow. Um, okay. First Agnostic Church of Hope and Wonder comes out on April 23rd. Okay. And he just, and I'd encourage you, like, regardless of me or whatever, like our conversation was awesome. Yeah. Um, it just came out on Monday and I feel like he just has so much to say and there's so much insight. Um, and he talked about that record. And so, and he did it in a way that I wouldn't do justice to, cause like, it is just totally different. There's like no acoustic guitar on it. Um, it's just like sonically different from anything I've ever heard him do. It's sonically yes. different from anything I've ever heard. Honestly. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Absolutely. Did you, have you interviewed him twice? Did you do one a while back or is this the first time? No, it was the first time. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to check it out, man. I'm, I, uh, they actually played one of the, one of the songs from the record on the radio station here in Minneapolis last week. And it caught oh, my cool. ear because it didn't sound like Todd Snyder. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, uh, it's beautiful, man. And then there's some heavy moments, you know, he, he talks about Prine and he talks about Jerry Jeff Walker and talks, like, there's some heavy moments, but he, it's just all, all together. It's joyous and it's beautiful. And there's just, it's something that I didn't expect. And I love that. I love when, you know, you get hit by somebody you've been listening to for 20 plus years and they hit you with something that you didn't expect. He could just keep doing 
whatever Todd does. And I know that they're all not the same. His records are different, but still Todd's, you know, is instantly recognizable that it's Todd usually. And this, other than his voice, it's just like, it's just great, man. And and that's, I haven't stopped listening to that thing. And then the other thing I just got, I just um, started listening to Waltzer. Waltzer. Yeah. Um, Sophie Sputnik is the creative force behind it. She has this really cool show called Waltzer TV. It's just wacky variety show that she started during the pandemic. Okay. She has like all these wonderful guests on. She has, she's had like Patterson hood on and she's had the Colonel, you know, the Colonel froze on me. No, you dig the Colonel too. Who's the Colonel now? I don't know. The Colonel. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to put yeah he's Who's yeah, the colonel <laughs> um what is uh what is kern's actual name um joe joe is his, his actual first name okay k-e-r-n-a-l uh he has a new single called you do you he was on the show he was delightful to talk to okay um, but yeah walter she's been doing all this cool stuff uh lately and her record came out recently um uh and it's just like there's this whole thing going on in Chicago that I'm really digging, man. Like, like the rookie, the band rookie and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, twin peaks is a band I've been listening to for a few years sure. and she's doing kind of a similar thing. Like there's just a feel, I guess, you know, that, that sounds like it's from there, yeah. but she's from Fort Lauderdale originally. And there's just like these other elements, these punk elements and these, uh, country elements that kind of come through in a different way. And she just, she hits topics that like we, she and I talked, um, Friday and, um, one of her songs is I don't want to die. And okay. I was like, yeah, me too. Let's talk about that. Cause, uh-huh. but the song is basically just like, I don't want to die. Yeah. How come, how come everyone isn't freaking out about this? We're all going to die. <laughs> that's, that's the gist, yeah. of, that's the gist <laughs> of the song, you know? And I'm like, wait, no, that's what I think about every day, all day. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I don't go outside. Why, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah no i think and i would just say too is you know it's this is yeah it's fun to share some you know some things they haven't heard of i i think without you know the, somebody wrote a review i think it was either in mojo magazine or uh, one of the reviews for the record and it was about you know all the guest musicians and how mm-hmm. uh, the writer hadn't heard of one of them you know mm. it was like usually when someone's saying guest musicians it's like um, I think people expect they're going to, it's going to be somebody more famous than you so that you can, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I want to tell you, like, as a songwriter person and having talked to you, uh, Billy Settlemeyer, who's on my record and wrote one of the songs with me, it's uh, S-E-D-L-M-A-Y-R. This is uh, like, no, I don't know. I wish people would, I, I wish that somebody uh, with a, with um, the right resources would get onto this guy, you know, he spent 13 years in federal prison and that's where he started writing songs. And uh, believe it or not, he has a heart of gold. He's basically become like an uncle to our kid. And um, he's made two records is all. Yeah. The songs and they're so damn good. You know, I mean, I genuinely, it's all I listened to for about six months after I met him. And uh, after I heard him in Tucson, just down in Tucson. So this is a guy, you know, I brought him up here on tour for his first ever tour outside of Arizona and uh, we've become so close, but just a vicious writer. Like I'm talking cool. scary good, you know? And yeah. uh, 
learned how to do it in at the first ever prison writing program in the United States at Florence Prison. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, this is a guy who undoes your, he undoes your worldview in about six different ways as soon as he starts talking, you know, because yeah. you think, how does a person like this even, even exist, you know? Um, right. But I, yeah, I'd recommend you check him out, man. I'm going to do that tonight. Um, actually, I'll do that first thing in the morning. I need space to like, this has been so, so wonderful and so, so great. But I'll, I'll wake up fresh with my cup of coffee and listen to that. That sounds like, that sounds like my shit right there. Yeah, <laughs> man. I'm so excited nice. to check out this Todd Snyder record and, and Amanda signs and I appreciate yeah. it, man. Yeah. Likewise. It's been such a pleasure, David. Thank you so much. Jason, it's my, it's really great talking to you. I think, uh, we probably could, you know, talk all night. It seems like, and it's, it's just nice to, uh, talk with someone who cares about these things, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, let's, let's, uh, we'll see where, where the road takes us. I hope that you make it down here at some point. Um, you know, in the not so distant future, I am in Orlando. And if, uh, if you ever, if you make it down here, or if I get up that way, I'd love to catch up and maybe do this again or just to hang. You know? Absolutely, man. For sure. For sure. Come to Minnesota, come to Minneapolis. It's real calm right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Minneapolis is, man, we got so, we're big in Minneapolis. I don't know what it is about, uh, you know, about the marinade and, and, and Minnesota, but like something like a third of our Patreon patrons almost are from, are from near Minneapolis. Go oh, wow. That. Yeah. Um, so, but I've never been, I've never been to Minnesota. It's one of the few I haven't been to or Iowa, speaking of. Iowa, although I'm planning on the Hinterland Festival in August in um in Iowa. Oh, yeah. So that's it's that's on one. my agenda. Yeah. 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 Um, well look at while you're, while you're doing that too, look at a place called Codfish Hollow. Okay. Have you heard of that? Uh-uh. It's in the fuck it's in the middle of nowhere in Iowa. It's a barn, of course. And uh I think the lineup last year, yeah, Bright Eyes, Jenny Lewis. Um it's, it's they some something they've done. If they could teach other people how to do it, there'd be so many badass more venues, you know, it's, yeah. it makes no sense. It's the town is like 800 people and, and they just treat musicians so well that Gregory Isakoff is playing there this, this oh. fall. Like it's pretty unreal. So you might be able to get there from hinterland, you know? Oh, cool. Who knows who'll be playing? Yeah. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jason. Yeah, yeah. All right. Cheers. Take care, man. The swallows as they sing, they shake at homeward wings. All my relations come and kiss the dirt. The one thing you must do, the heart knows that it's true. David Huckfelt, y'all. DavidHuckfelt.com for all things David, including his wonderful new record, Room Enough, Time Enough. MarinadePodcast.com for all things the marinade. Thank all of you for listening. Thank you so much, David, for your time and energy. Y'all follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Tell a friend about the show. Subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your podcast app. These are all free ways to support the show. If you really like what we're doing, please consider giving our Patreon a look at patreon.com slash marinadepodcast. It's a way to just dive deeper with the show. We just had 
this really cool experience where I interviewed Seth Walker, the great Seth Walker, who we've had on a couple of times and who's a good friend of the show and a fascinating guy. And our Patreon patrons were able to come into the conversation, watch me interviewing Seth, and then jump into the conversation as well. It was so much fun, and that's the kind of thing we do over there. We also have our Patreon-exclusive show, Jason's Journey. I give updates about the show. Uh, we have polls over there where I ask for feedback and that kind of thing. So it's it's a really cool little community, and I've made some friends, and I really appreciate everybody that's in our Patreon community. So if you can swing it, that would be great. If not, all those freeways make a difference, and the biggest thing is just listening. Thank you so much for listening to the show, everybody. All right, it's time for what I'm getting down on, this segment of the show where I talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment. After this conversation with David, I, uh, I dove into Billy Settlemeyer's work. The man can flat write. Uh, I'm going to see what we can do about getting Billy on the show. Highly recommend listening to his records. Just great, great songs. I mean, heart-wrenching, beautiful songs, and he has this wonderful voice. I, I can't say enough about him. I've also been listening to Rod Picott's latest release, Wood, Steel, Dust, and Dreams. Really cool. It's a collection of songs he co-wrote with his friend and longtime collaborator Slade Cleaves, who was a dream guest, by the way, who we haven't had on yet. It's uh, it's only available as a CD, and the CD comes with a 32-page booklet with notes about the songs. It's a limited re- release, and it's not cheap, but um, if you're a Rod Picott fan, go get it for real it's wonderful the album is beautiful robpicot.com if you want to get a copy of that record so those are the things that i've been listening to uh, quite a bit lately i've just uh, just finished reading brandy carlisle's memoir broken horses i love brandy uh, but i was hesitant to pick up this book um, and and i think the reason why is because brandy's about my age and i'm like how in the hell could someone my age have some have enough to say in a memoir? Like, how could you have lived that much life? And uh, I should have known that Brandy would knock it out of the park. Of course she has that much to say. What a life. Uh, Brandy is the picture of perseverance and grace. Uh, if you like rock and roll memoirs and aren't a Brandy Carlisle fan per se, I doubt that you're listening to the show if you're not a Brandy Carlisle fan. But if you don't know her music or if you're not necessarily a fan – You'll still like the book, and if you like Brandy, you're going to love the book. It's, it's, uh, even if you just like good storytelling, check out Broken Horses. Um, I, you know, I, just, I, I flew through it. I mean, probably finished it in three or four days. I've had a run of that recently where I just can't put books down. You know, The Night Always Comes from Willie Vlaughton, which I mentioned on the last episode, and then Brandy's, uh, you know, Brandy's memoir, just been flying through books and uh i'm, I'm super excited about it. It, it it's always enriching as i've talked about on the show many times if i'm writing if i'm reading and if i'm exercising every day that's how i keep my anxieties at bay that's how i stay happy that's how i stay fulfilled and it also makes me want to create more um, speaking of which i'm about to record a jason's journey that i'm going to release on our patreon and it's going to talk about the inspiration that i'm feeling lately especially coming off my sister-in-law's wedding in Kansas City last weekend. It was a really inspiring moment for me and for my partner, Chris. So um, I'm excited to talk about that. And I, I'm going to do that as soon as I finish this and release it over on Patreon. So if you got $5 laying around, you can just listen for one month if you want and then knock it down to two bucks or quit. <laughs> no hard feelings if you do. 
Um, thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate all of your support. I appreciate everybody who spreads the word about the show and listens. Every kind word makes a huge difference. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.